Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. All right, this is Alan Blaine, and I am pumped to interview our special guest today, my friend Jason Duncan, the real Jason Duncan, as he goes by on social media, is a renowned entrepreneur, author, and podcaster who is dedicated to helping fellow business owners find their true passion in life. He believes that anyone can run a profitable business and get this, under 10 hours a week, and he's made it his mission to show others how. Jason is the founder of one of America's fastest growing privately held companies, and his success story is truly inspiring. He started as an unemployed school teacher, but he managed to launch his own thriving business in 2010. Today, he shares his wealth of knowledge and his experience through his mastermind program, The Exeter Club, his internationally syndicated podcast, The Root of All Success, and his book, Exit Without Exiting. Jason's proven method, hashtag exit without exiting, is all about breaking free from the daily grind of business operations so you can focus on what really matters in life. But he's not just in it for himself. He's committed to helping 10,000 people escape poverty and mediocrity through entrepreneurship. To further his mission, he plans to start a nonprofit organization with the help of his mastermind group. Based here in Nashville, Tennessee, Jason is a family man who loves spending time with his high school sweetheart and their two grown children. In his free time, you'll find him riding motorcycles and camping. His passion for life is contagious, and his dedication to empowering others is truly inspiring. Jason, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. And you know what? I appreciate that intro. And I'm going to tell you the truth. And I think your audience is going to love this. Chat GPT wrote that. Really? Yes. Isn't that crazy? And just recently, I just updated it. So I feed it information like, here's who I am, here's facts. And then I say, hey, give me a new bio. And that is unedited. Wow. I added the real because it won't call me that. So I had to tell it. Other than that, that's 100% AI, but all true, but all 100% true. Well, you should see the poem that I had Chat GPT write to my wife from me to my wife when I showed it to Nicole. She read it was thoroughly impressed. In fact, so impressed that she said, who wrote this? (laughs) (laughs) Some guy named Chad. (laughs) Anyway, well, hey, I've given our listeners a 30,000 foot view of who you are there as I introduced you with the bio, but could you just maybe back up a little bit and share with everyone a little bit more about who you are, how you got to where you are today, and just the Cliff Notes version of where you're at now? Well, I started my life on my career in my teenage years. Actually, I was my senior year in high school as a youth minister, and I spent 13 years in pastoral ministry before I went back to college and got a master's in education, started teaching school, taught eighth grade American history for four years. And then the reason I left education is because of the Great Recession. The Great Recession came in, caused a lot of budget cuts. And my contract didn't get renewed for the following school year because of those budget cuts. Even though I was the number one teacher in the county in my subject area, that's how governments make decisions. So I was not tenured, last guy hired in the building. So my contract didn't get renewed and I was faced with a decision to make. And my first answer to that decision was I'm going to go get another teaching job somewhere because I loved it. I loved doing it. But 
there weren't any to be had. So I started a company. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur and ended up building that company to uh, quite a success, recognized nationally in magazines and, you know, multi-million dollars and making a lot more money than I used to make as a teacher and pastor, I can tell you that. But I was trapped in my business. And then in 2020, I kind of figured a way out of the daily grind and operations. And when I got out on the other side, people started going, hey, man, how'd you do that? How did you figure that out? So now that's what I do all day is I help other people figure that out and follow the same pattern and path and techniques and tactics that I did. And it's not philosophy. It's not theory. It's not a good idea. It actually works. I love it. I love it. So what was the very first business going from school teacher? Did you say middle school? Eighth grade yeah. American history. Yeah. Middle school history teacher to launch in your first business, relatively speaking. I know I got you by a couple of years here, but I guess it's been 13 years ago. <laughs> yeah, now. 13 what years it? ago. Yeah. What was that first business? Well, the business, I still own it. It's called Energy Lighting Services. It's a lighting and electrical contracting company here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. And I didn't know anything about lighting, nothing whatsoever, and just saw it as an opportunity. I thought, you know, I know how to sell. I'd been in sales in the past, kind of supplementing my income in sales. And I thought I can sell it. And LED lighting became this idea back in 2010, 2011. And I thought, you know, I could do that. I could make that work. And, and I did. I love it. So you've had a lot of success. I think you said you've built how many businesses now since 2010? Was it eight or nine? Well, overall, I've started 12 to varying degrees of success. But two of those were before then. Christy and I got married in 1995 and we went to a conference and it was all about the internet. If you can remember like back then, the internet, like nobody knew what it was in 95. AOL was brand new. Walmart didn't even have a website. Nobody had, nobody knew what websites were. And the conference is all about how to get into the game and the internet game, be a web designer. And we started a web design business in 1995. But because I wasn't an entrepreneur and never really wanted to be or even knew what that word was, I certainly didn't know how to spell it. I think I just learned how to spell it. <laughs> but I started that company and ran that for, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 months. And it got too hard and I quit. And I'm thinking back now, it's like, man, I was the gold rush dude at the beginning in 1849 right there with the pick and it got too hard and I left. Oh, well. Interesting. I love learning more and more about people's stories, especially entrepreneurs like yourself. I wanted to ask you, we won't go too deep into this, but I mentioned that you had a mastermind program, the Exeter Club. What is that all about? So I'll back up if I may. So a mastermind, the idea, the concept of a mastermind was first coined by Napoleon Hill in his 1937 book, Think and Grow Rich. I'm sure you've at least heard of it, if not read it. Right. It is the number one success principles book. And almost every book written on success since then has been written about that. And part one of his principles of success after studying 500 of America's most powerful and successful entrepreneurs and business leaders was that every single one had a mastermind. Now, it's not the mastermind the way that we know in the 2020s America, but it was a mastermind. And the idea, all these guys, Andrew Carnegie, Thomas Edison, you know, all these big wigs of industry and the very powerful people, Henry Ford, they had these guys around them that helped them all achieve a definite purpose. And so he says that one key for you to become successful is to be a part of a mastermind and without which you cannot unlock success. So. When I became aware of that as a fact and as a reality, I said, well, I need to be a part of Mastermind. So I, so over the years, I've been parts of them. So when I started coaching people about this exit without exiting method, I don't know when or how the idea is like, well, I should run a Mastermind for guys like me 
who are stuck in the weeds of daily operation and want to figure out how to get out, how they run this in 10 hours a week or less so they can do other things, find their purpose in life. And so in 2021, at the end of the year, I started formulating a plan and started pitching the idea around and launched it in January 22. And we just completed our first full year at the end of the year last year. And it is the most fun thing that I do. And the guys are amazing and the benefits have been phenomenal. And I love it. I love it. The benefits of Mastermind are far reaching. And I love that you're doing that. Could you explain just for our listeners before we dive in more into your story and challenges that you've overcome and wisdom and success tips that you have to share with them? What is the exit without exiting? How would you explain that in just a few words? What is the concept there to continue to own a business and work on your business 10 hours a week instead of be in your business 80 hours a week? Is that kind of the idea I gather from it? But how would you describe that? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. I mean, there's this cliche around work on your business, not in your business, because there's working in the business 80 hours a week. And that's where most entrepreneurs are. They're business owners or job owners. They're stuck in the weeds of daily operations. Every decision revolves around them. That's working in the business. And you're just a highly paid employee. That's really, honestly, let's just be honest. Right. The second level, and that's what that book, The E-Myth, talks about, and I think other books talk about it too, is like, okay, we got to get above it and work on it, not in it. And on it means doing higher level things, and you're still involved, but you're not in the weeds, you're still on top of the weeds. But I think Exit Without Exiting takes it to that next level where it's, I want to work above the business. And I want the business to provide me the lifestyle I want to live. And I'm going to design the business around my life, not my life around the business. And that's the idea. We definitely have that in common. I definitely want a business that works around my life and not have to work my life around my business. What about the podcast? Did you start the podcast before or after the mastermind? Before. So as long as I can remember as an entrepreneur thinking, man, I'd love to do a podcast. I would love to do a podcast. And everybody's doing these podcasts. I should do a podcast. And so for years, I've been saying I wanted to do one. Well, in December of 2019, my wife bought me this microphone right here, this Blue Yeti. Yep. And it was such a thoughtful gift. And so I love you, Christy. Thank you for doing that. But she gave it to me. And when I got it, I was like, it didn't occur to me that she bought it for me to do podcasts. She had to explain. I was like, that's kind of cool. Because I was using one of those tiny little flip up Logitech mics. Remember back then when right? we didn't care what the sound was like? That's Absolutely. what I had, one of the little pencil things. And she goes, no, this is for you to do your podcast. I want you to do your podcast. You've been talking about it. And I said, oh, that's awesome. And then it wasn't until December of 2020, a year later, that I recorded my first episode. It's actually December 23rd, 2020. I recorded my first three episodes of the podcast. And I didn't even use this mic because I was doing it in person and I needed a different mic. Like this mic is designed to be, you know, just like what we're doing right now. So I did my first probably 50 episodes live and in person. And I used different types of mics, lapel mics and handhelds and that type of thing. But then I shifted everything to online. And when I shifted everything online, I've been using this mic ever since. Love it. Online has been such a blessing. I'll tell you what, just the ability to reach people that we couldn't reach otherwise and scale. And like you said, work our business around our life, not our life around our business. It's been wonderful. What is your primary business today, would you say? Well, my primary business is my coaching company, TRJD Enterprises, and my active hours as an entrepreneur are spent on this business. And I own seven right now, currently, this is the only one that I put active hours in. And it is the only one I ever want to really put active hours in. This is my, what I refer to as my non-exitable business. This business is letting me exercise my true purpose in life. Because I believe that most entrepreneurs aren't living in their purpose. They're living in synthetic happiness. 
They are lying to themselves that what they're doing is what they love and enjoy. And while it might be good and provide a good living, it's not the thing that they're here for. It's not the thing that God necessarily put them on the earth for. So I figured that out quite by accident, actually. But I figured it out. And now I use my gifts of teaching and leadership to help other people discover, pursue and finance their purpose. And specifically, I'm working with entrepreneurs on how to do that in a way that they can pull back from their main business, operate it in 10 hours a week or less, and to be able to figure their purpose out and go make a bigger impact in the world. So this business is the one I spend most of my time in. It is my non-exitable business. It is the one that I will do until Jesus returns or until I kick over. This is forever for me. What would you say has been, you've had a lot of success, obviously, in the last 13 years since getting out of school teaching, and I'm sure you were successful as a school teacher as well and your other endeavors before that. But what would you say has been one of the practical keys to your success that you could share with our listeners? I think one of the practical keys to success is always going to be mindset. That's one of the things I really love about all of Napoleon Hill's works and not just him, but everybody that was before and after him is that what you think about, you bring about your thoughts will turn into reality. It's not conjuring. It's not magic. And most people miss that, especially those in Christian circles. They look at that as mysticism and woo-woo and new age. And no, no, no. Here's the thing. You don't go in your closet and sit down and say, I want a million dollars and then come out of your closet and have a million dollars. That's not how this works. That's conjuring. But manifestation is about bringing into light what is already there. It's just not yet evident. That's actually what manifestation means is to bring to light what's there. It's not evident yet. So when we manifest certain things, it comes through positive mental attitude. Let's say, for example, we'll use the million dollars. I want to have a million dollars. Now, if you constantly aware of that concept and not just a wish, but you truly desire that and you hope for it, your physical reality will bend and change to allow that to become possible. That doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. And it certainly doesn't mean you're going to go open the fridge and there's a million bucks. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen because your thoughts lead to actions and your actions lead to your realities. So if you're thinking that you're a six-figure guy and I'm a $100,000 guy and that's it, well, that's your life. But if you think you're a million-dollar guy, that will become your life. So I think one of the keys to success is always going to be that positive mental attitude. It's everything. I agree. It's so important. And it's one of the things that, as I've seen over the years, even in myself and working with other people, as their mindset starts to grow and strengthen, the results follow. It's just the way it is, as you so well explained. And just even on that, thinking on the examples you use and the topic, what you just shared, I was thinking, it's so interesting. What our mind focuses on is what we see. And I've used this example before, but I'll not even see a particular kind of car until we purchase that particular kind of car. And then I see them everywhere. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, that's or, or it doesn't have to be cars. It can be a lot of different things, but they're just not even on my radar until it's on my radar and I'm thinking about it. And then I see it everywhere. That's our reticular activating system at work. Right. Just a little relatable example. That's a little sideline to your point, but it, it ties right in, I think, because what we focus on, we will have much greater chance of realizing. That's right. What would you say has been one of the bigger challenges that you faced in your life by 48 almost years of living? I think now you've seen a lot, done a lot, certainly had plenty of challenges. What would you say would be one of the bigger ones? Well, 2019 was probably the worst year of my life. And this gift notwithstanding, <laughs> I got that gift in 2019. The podcast, but, uh, Mike. Yeah, the podcast, Mike, came in in 2019. But that was a tough year. I had three major events that year that 
were pretty terrible. First event that happened is we were dealing with some stuff with a family member. We had a family member issue. There were some very big challenges. They have since been resolved. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of the storm, you can't see outside it. And right. so we were in the middle of a storm during that year with a family member. And that was tough. And that clouded everything else we had going on. The second thing happened is I had a business partner that we had to terminate from the business. And that was the worst. That almost bankrupted me. And the sad part of that is, is that he doesn't even know and probably doesn't care. But that was tough. And I'm still reeling in ways from that separation and that termination. It was not fun. It was not something I desired. It wasn't necessarily something I wanted to happen, but it was necessary. And it was done in order to save the company, in order to save a lot of things that were going on. But that was tough. And yet I've overcome it. And as Napoleon Hill says, with every adversity comes the seed of an equivalent benefit. So in the middle of all that adversity that I was going through in that, I now am a better business coach because I could tell these young entrepreneurs are coming and say, hey, I'm thinking about taking on the business partner because of maybe it's I need funding or I need money or whatever, whatever happens to be. And say, well, let me show you what you might want to consider. And then the third thing that happened is I had my best friend at the time decided to screw me out of a real estate deal that we were doing together for no other reason than he said God told him to do it. Wow. I don't even know how to respond to that. Like that doesn't even make any sense to me. We're not talking a small little real estate deal. We're talking six figure real estate deal to each of us. Gone, boom, done. It's crazy. You just don't do that. So all three of those things like, culminated. I lived a pretty charmed life up to that point. Like everything had been good. I married my high school sweetheart. We met on a blind date. We've got two great kids. My parents are amazing. Got good friends. We live in a great place. My whole life been great. And then in 2019, man, everything like hit. But I came through it and 2020 was going to be my bounce back year. And you did bounce back. Yeah, well, I did. But, you know, the world tried to hold me down. So <laughs> we made it. We made it. Yes, you did. So all three of those challenges happened in 2019, you're saying? Yeah. And the business still gone bad, fraud. I don't know what you want to call it, but that was, did you say a best friend at the time? Yeah, he was my best friend at the time. And we have not spoken since. That phone call was the last time we talked. Wow. But you know, that's not 100% true. I've run into him just around town and he'll see me and he'll come and act like nothing ever happened to shake my hand and act like it's all good. I'm like, I don't know how you think it's all good, dude. Like you intentionally hurt me. He said on the phone, I know this is going to hurt, but we'll get over it. Yeah. Who does that? So anyway, I don't talk about who it is. I very rarely even talk about it. I mean, you ask, but it hurt for a long time and there's a lot of bitterness and, and forgiveness finally came. And so forgiveness is there, but that does not restore relationships. So I have no right. intention of restoring that relationship. Obviously that could change with, you know, what he intends, but like, I'm good. Like I'm hundred percent good now. I moved on and it's fine. That's a tough thing to be, like you said, in the middle of the storm and they just keep coming, you know, and we're just, when you think you might be getting clear of one, boom, the next one hits while well, you're still reeling from the first one. And talk me through that. I mean, was there a, a lot of negative self-talk in that point? Like in the heat of the storm, I'm not talking about coming out of it, dealing with it successfully. I mean, in the heat of the battle, what were you thinking inside? Were you, was there voices in your head that were saying things that, you know, you didn't need to be listening to, or what was that like? It was the darkest, darkest year for sure. I mean, there were a lot of dark thoughts and darkness that happened because you, there's only so much a man could take, you know. And at the time, I was not familiar with, nor was I involved in studying the concept of how the mind works and the power of positive mental thinking. And I was not aware of those things at the time. 
So I didn't have those tools in my tool belt to help me work through it. So really my best friend, my wife, we had to work through all that together because all three of those things affected her in an equal amount. So the family thing, the termination of the business partner thing, which affected the business, which affected the finances, which affected us. And then the best friend, obviously she was part of that circle too. All of those things affected her. So the two of us were able to work through that. I had a business coach at the time who was very, very instrumental in helping me navigate all that. His primary reason for working with me was on the business side of things. But then after the business thing happened, just two and a half months after the termination was official and all hell broke loose, then the friend thing happened. So he was still working with me in the middle of that. And I'm like, you're not going to believe what happened now. And so he helped me. So having a business coach, having that partner to lean on, who was not emotionally attached to these decisions, he helped out quite a bit. And I had one other set of friends, the, the husband and wife, all four of us were very close. And they were the only ones in our immediate circle that we could have unfiltered conversations with. We didn't talk about it at the grocery store. We didn't talk about it anywhere else. But we needed somebody to say, listen, this happened. What do we deal with? How do we manage this? So they knew what was going on. So having those people around me were the ones that really, really helped me make it through it. And that's so important. You bring out a great point. We had people like you described who we could share with, who we knew actually cared, wouldn't just listen, but actually would care and not even just care, but actually be sounding boards and give good advice and encouragement and biblical counsel and things that actually were helpful to us in the midst of the tough, tough things we've been through. And I think so many people probably just pull back, go through these things alone and just deal with it all in their head. And I think that's a self-sabotaging difficult thing to have to walk through. So it's really cool to hear that you had at least a couple different friends that, and we don't need a bunch, just one or two or three good ones to yeah. get to share with. I'm, I'm sure that was a big, big deal for you walking through all that. I meet with one of my really, really good friends. We meet every Tuesday morning. He's a mindset coach and we meet and we go through Napoleon Hill stuff together and kind of help each other. We're our own little mastermind, right? It's the minimum number of masterminds too. Right. <laughs> so, yep. so we're our minimum viable mastermind together. Yeah, I just came back from a speaking event. I was in uh, San Diego. I spoke over the weekend at this big event and just got back yesterday and had three calls and I had a very busy day for a traveling day. So I left the West Coast, came here, and then I had a very busy afternoon and just everything didn't go right. Like I had a bad day. It was a bad day. There was a point at which I just got up from my desk and walked around the edge of my desk and just laid face down on the floor. Like that's all I knew how to do is like just face down. I don't know what to do. And then I got up and I got my phone and I just went outside and I started walking on the sidewalk. And my wife called me Now I'd been gone about 10 minutes. She goes, where are you? I was like, I just had to get out of the house. Are you okay? No, I'm not. Like it was just, I hit that moment. I mean, we've all hit those moments. Absolutely. And I love you sharing it because I think so many people look at people like you and other successful people and they're like, certainly they don't have days like that too. Absolutely we do. So I'm so glad you're saying that. Well, and to finish that story. So this morning was the morning that I meet with my friend and we go through our mastermind stuff, kind of the two of us. And we're all about mindset, talking about mindset. And of course, I'm obviously much better today. I felt I felt much better today. And, and actually, we, truth be told, what helped lift me out of that funk last night is I had an oddly scheduled coaching call with the client last night in person. So first of all, I don't do them on Mondays. Second of all, almost do never in person. And for that hour everything melted away because this is why I'm on earth. And so in the middle of my purpose, I was able to escape all the darkness, all the things that were causing me to want to lay prostrate face down on the floor and go for a walk and just escape. 
But this morning when I was talking to my friend about this, he was my sounding board this morning. I needed to kind of get through some of this stuff. And at the end of our conversation, I looked at him and I said, how do people who don't know how powerful the mind is get through this stuff? I was aware the whole time I was dealing with my crappy attitude that it was a crappy attitude and I had to get out because if I let it stay, it was going to turn into bad. And he goes, man, I don't know. He goes, I talked to this one guy. He was in darkness for six months. I'm like, no, no, no. I can give myself maybe 60 minutes, but not six months. Right. But yeah, yesterday was a bad day, but I'm good. <laughs> and that's the big difference between successful and unsuccessful people too, is knowing how to pull yourself out or knowing yeah. where to turn to get out of those funks. And like you said, not let an hour turn into for some a lifetime, really. The reality is, is there anything looking back now before 2019 hit, is there anything that you could have done differently to be better prepared? hundred percent, hundred percent. So I look back now and I can look at all the mistakes and clearly see, ooh, shouldn't have done that. Ah, man, that was dumb. And then there are some that I don't clearly see where the mistake was, but I see the effects of it. And so I'll give you a few. Number one, don't take on a business partner unless it's absolutely critical to the success of that particular venture. And this is not a shot against my old business partner or any business partner in the world. What it is, is that you shouldn't take on a business partner unless there's a critical need for him or her to be a part of that business in order to achieve success. If all you need is money, you don't need a business partner. You need money. Don't conflate the two because you can get money anywhere. Somebody can lend you money. And yeah, it might be high interest, but I'd rather pay the high interest and no emotional toll than have a partner who's going, well, I gave you the money. You got to do it my way. And by the way, that was not my issue. I'm just using that as right. an example. That wasn't my situation. But number one, I would say I'd caution entrepreneurs about business partners. Be very, very, very careful that you're getting one that can help and not hurt. Second, and this is probably bigger than all of it, is learn how money works. You got to learn how money works because it does not work the way you think it works. Most people, myself included, their whole lives will go through their whole lives and they will not know how money works. And then they will wonder why it doesn't work for them. I'm very blessed to be part of some organizations who really teach me how money actually works. And now I'm only learning this in my mid to late 40s. Had I known this in my 20s, you know, I've got a new intern just started with me today who's 20 years old. Like this dude, by the time he's my age, will be a billionaire if he sticks with me and listens to it. And I would be too. If I'd have known at 20 what I know now, billionaire status. And I'm not even joking. That's not even hyperbole. I really do believe it because I've done a lot in the last 13, like to go from where I was an unemployed school teacher who had made $38,000 a year as a teacher to where I am now. That's a significant leap. But if I had gone back, you know, another decade or two and know how money works, like really how money works, be a totally different thing. Now, is that about money, Alan? Is that just because I want to be rich and I want to have a new Porsche? No, because impact only happens through money. And you can disagree all you want. You can say, well, Jesus didn't have any money. Mother Teresa didn't have any money. Gandhi didn't have any money. They had people who had money. And don't forget that impact happens through the financial resources in order to make that happen. So I would use that money as anybody else would. And I would have turned that into millions of opportunities for other people to also see what life looks like when they're living in the center of their purpose. Would you say when you think about those challenges and I, and we talk on this podcast a lot about challenges because the idea behind the podcast was so many people, I believe in my experience coaching others, they think that their challenge, whether they're physical challenges, mental challenges, financial challenges, health challenges, relational challenges, you name it. 
whatever it is, they tend to think, I mean, I think it's human nature. They tend to think that it's a reason to hold them back from success, or it's almost like, well, people that are successful, really successful in life, they must not have the same challenges I'm dealing with. And I started seeing scales fall off of people's eyes, figuratively speaking, when they started realizing, wow, you mean you've gone through that, this and the other, and -and so-and-so has, and -and so-and-so has, and other successful people that they may look up to. And so that was kind of the idea behind the podcast is how can we bring successful people's stories and really get transparent and talk about the struggles and the challenges, and most importantly, the lessons learned through them. But the question I want to ask you is, would you say, looking back now, the challenges that you've been through have given you a better way to encourage others that may be in similar struggles or even different struggles now? And has it in any way aided in the success that you have enjoyed? It's a good question. So I would say, yeah, I mean, every experience is a piece of the puzzle of your life. It creates your reality. So your experiences create your reality. So like like we go back a step further that, well, your experiences happen because of what you thought. So you got to really start with what you think and, and what you allow to enter your head. My wife was talking yesterday. She picked me up from the airport and she was listening to music in the car when she picked me up that she doesn't normally listen to. And I'm like, what's up with this? She goes, well, I'm just trying to clean things up. Like, I'm like, well, you're not dirty. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that she was doing bad stuff. It was like, she goes, well, I just need to have better positive mental attitude. And what I let in, it affects moods. And I think that every experience we have leads to a reality. And so even though I went through some pretty negative stuff in 2019, and even though I have bad days like I had yesterday, it is a piece of the puzzle. There is a seed of an equivalent benefit in every one of those pieces of adversity that will grow into something amazing. I mean, in the book, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about this dude that spent all this money trying to find gold, spent hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to find gold, and then finally decided, well, it's not working, and he gave up. And he sold all the equipment secondhand to some guy. And that guy goes, can you tell me where you stopped? And so he went out there and started researching where it was. And three feet later, he runs into one of the biggest gold veins ever discovered during the gold rush. But here's the thing. So the dude that missed it, the guy that stopped three feet from gold, went on to become a multimillionaire in a completely different industry. And he credits the fact that he missed the gold by three feet for his ability to become a multimillionaire. That seems odd. Most people would think, well, you just go drink himself into a stupor and die because he just missed out on the biggest lottery, so to speak, ever. And he had the ticket. He had the numbers. But what he did, he said, you know what? I'm going to use that story for fuel. I'm going to use that to benefit. I'm going to use that to propel me, to leverage me into greater success. So his business ended up being life insurance. and He sold lots of life insurance. And he used that story to fuel him. He would tell that story every time he sold insurance. Like, this is what I, that was me. And people were like, oh, man, that's terrible. Okay, I'll sign. (laughs) You know, whatever it took, he used that. And so for me, I used 2019 as fuel. I use that to show, hey, even if a business partner who was a good friend for a long time almost bankrupts you because of greed, even if this family member thing happens and it is terrible and it's really bringing you down, you can push past it. You do not have to stay stuck in that moment. You can succeed not only in spite of this, but because of this. I love it. Such a great word and analogy, too, with the story there, three feet from gold. I love that. Would you say you're glad you went through those challenges? No, I would not wish that on anybody. I wish that the family thing would have never happened. I wish that the partner thing would have quietly dissipated. And I wish my friend hadn't screwed me. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, but I also don't live in regret. I don't look back and go, man, I wish that wouldn't happen. I don't, that's not what I mean when I say wish it wouldn't happen. I don't live in regret, but no, I'm not glad it happened. I don't think I'm a masochist. 
some people might say they're glad that some adversity happened. Those are not three pieces I would be glad for. No, not at all. Glad for what you learned, glad for the growth opportunity, glad for the perspective, but not glad you went through it. That's true. Yes. If you could go back in time and give your younger self any piece of advice, you know, your 15 year old self, let's say 10 year old self, 20 year old self, what would you say to yourself? So we just did this. I spoke at a mastermind event in Costa Rica earlier this month, and we did this exercise. And so if you would bear with me, I'm going to step off camera and grab. I wrote this. I wrote the answer. Grab it. I didn't grab it. I'm going to grab this. I'm going to grab gonna it. Read. Do it. Let's do it. All right. So see this guy right here? Yeah. That's this your 10 year old self. This is me. I, I probably was no, younger. Five or six, maybe I'm guessing. And uh, so what the, the leader of this group told us all to bring our pictures of us from four to seven, somewhere around there. And then we had to write this letter to ourselves. So I wrote it and he said, you need to frame it, hang it up somewhere in your office. Well, I didn't frame it, but I did hang it up. I just pulled it off the wall. I had it taped on the wall. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll tell you what I said. Go places, do things, meet new people, be adventurous and go on blind dates. Trust me. Because I met my wife on a blind date, of course. Love right? so, it. And then I had a few other things I'd say in here. But this was more kind of like sentimental note. But on a practical matter, what I would tell my 10-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-old self is invest in real estate. Okay. Invest in real estate. I, I think that's where it's at. I mean, stocks are fine. That's it. I, I'm not in stock. I don't get the stock thing. But real estate, that's where you need to be. Because real estate through all the thick and thin, everything that's gone on, positive, negative, it doesn't matter. It has been the one thing that besides owning businesses produce more millionaires than anything else. And more impact can be created through that money than anything else. And more tax deductions. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> now I know why it's the real Jason Duncan. It's real estate is part of that whole messaging, which I love. I love. I love real estate. I think it's a phenomenal investment. It's my investment of choice as well. So I'm glad you shared that. I do wish I started investing in real estate at a much, much younger age. I would agree with that 100%. Do you have a favorite success quote that you want to share with the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? Well, I think whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve, which is the secret that Napoleon Hill writes about. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. And I know it sounds trite because people say it, but I mean, he was commissioned to interview Andrew Carnegie as one of the, at the time, the one of the most powerful and richest men in the world. As a newspaper writer, he was able to ask him all these questions. And Carnegie said, well, there's the secret that's allowed me to be there. And he told Napoleon what it was, but he didn't tell him outright. And then he commissioned Napoleon to write, he'd take the next 20 years and to study and how that's worked in other people's lives. And he gave him access to all these different people that were very successful, very much like him himself. And over those years, he developed the psychology of success, the laws of success and wrote about it, but he never really said what it was. He always alluded to it. But then later in life, when he was being interviewed, they said, well, what is it? Come on, you've, you've teased us for all these years. And he said, whatever the mind can believe and conceive, it can achieve. That's the secret. It is so true. Just as we start to wrap this up, just some kind of 30 second quick questions and answers. What would you say is one habit that's helped you become successful? I think the habit of having a daily and morning rhythm. I'm not really a routine guy. And I know lots of people teach about routines and, and maybe it's semantics, but because I don't feel like a routine person, I can't follow a routine because if I break it, I feel guilty for breaking it. But I know rhythms. 
The rhythms are these naturally reoccurring patterns of movement and rhythm, kind of like the cardiac rhythm of your heart. So for me, I have morning rhythms. I go through certain things. I work out. I, a certain way I do my coffee. I have to sit down and do my meditations and my prayers and things like, but if I don't do it, like I'm not out of whack, like I'm good. So having good rhythms has been a good thing for my success. I love it. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received from somebody else? I think the best piece of advice ever given is something I hold on to, and that's treat other people the way you would want to be treated. What more needs to be said? I mean, that's a mic drop right there for every situation. Do you have a favorite online resource or app that you prefer or love or just are excited about or use a lot that you might want to share with our listeners? Well, this goes back to the earlier question about the morning rhythms and what I do. There's an app called PrayerMate, prayermate.app. And I don't know how I found it, but I found it years ago. And it's a prayer app for your phone. It's on iPhone and Android. And I use it every single day of my life. And if I don't use it that day, I really miss it. And so you can subscribe to different prayer feeds if you want, or you can put your own things that you're praying for, and it's just for you. And so I've got everything in there. Like I've got a picture of my wife and I've got things I want to pray for her every day. A picture of my son, a picture of my daughter. I've got my business logo in there and the names of the people that work in my businesses so I can pray for them. And I've got my daily affirmations about what I want to affirm and for all in there. And also subscribe to a feed on Proverbs. So every day it sends me 10 or 15 Proverbs every single day from the book of Proverbs. And I actually copy and paste that and text my kids every morning. So they've been getting a proverb from me for years. And will, as long as I'm alive, they'll continue to get those. So I love that app. I use it every day. I love it. Prayermate.app. Yeah. Great. Awesome. What's one book you'd recommend? I know you're big on Think and Grow Rich. There's so much value you've gotten. Many have gotten out of that book. Is there any other book or is that the book you would recommend to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway listeners? I think in like manner, the seven habits of highly effective people, which echoes a lot of what Napoleon Hill talks about is certainly good. And then in terms of books that will set your mind on a completely new course, as far as money goes, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think that's one of the greatest books ever on finances. Such a good book. What would you say is something that you're currently doing, working on, or just anything else that excites you when you think about the future, Jason? Well, the thing that I'm excited more about in it is my mastermind, the Exeter Club. These guys that are in it and the way we're growing and, and the way we're helping one another is the most fulfilling thing that I'm doing right now. I just thoroughly enjoy watching what happens through these guys. So I, that's it. The Exeter Club. Love it. Love it. What would you say is the best way for our listeners to contact you or even just follow along on your journey? Well, Follow me on Instagram at the real Jason Duncan. And if you're on YouTube or LinkedIn, you can also look up the real Jason Duncan. So any of those places you can find my handle, the real Jason Duncan and connect with me. And we'll include those in the show notes below for our listeners. Do you have any closing comment you want to go out on? I'll give you the last word. Well, thank you, Alan. This has been a good conversation, man. I'm releasing my very first ever book. I don't know when this show is going to release, but within a week and a half of when we're recording this. So It's called Exit Without Exiting, how to exit your business without selling it and begin living the exit lifestyle sooner than you ever thought possible. And the book is really three stories. It's a story of Edward, James, and of Cheryl, and of how they built and then attempted or even executed an exit. And it really highlights the ideas behind the three ways that are possible as an exit from a company, but only two are the ones that we all talk about. First of all, the earn out, you know, you earn out, you earn your way through it. And that's Edward's story. And we talk about how he went through this earn out 
and how disappointed he was in this because it didn't give him the freedom and the exit lifestyle that he wanted. And then Cheryl's story is the total exit, the one that every entrepreneur dreams of, but only 2% of entrepreneurs ever achieve. It's when you sell your business and you never have to work again. That's what we all want, but only 2% of us ever get it. So it's her story. And then the regret she had after losing 10 years of her kids' lives by building a business that made her a multi-multi-millionaire. And then the final story is that of James and how James was the guy who took the third way that most people don't know about, which I call exit without exiting. How you set a business up to run in 10 hours a week or less of your own time, yet profitably so, and continues to grow so that you can spend time with your family and not miss those precious moments. So I would encourage everybody to go take a look at that exit without exiting. You can get it on Amazon and you can go to my website, therealjasonduncan.com slash book. Love it. Well, hey, Jason, thank you so much for taking your time to come on here and share some of your struggles, some of your challenges, some of the lessons learned and some of the success tips that you've shared already with our listeners here on the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast really means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contact page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.